Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. The word there for field is it's the, it's the, it's a nautical, it's a boating term. It's the same, it's the idea of, of wind that fills the sail of a sailboat. And the wind that fills the sail of a sailboat, it gives it power and it gives it direction. And God says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the idea. I want to fill your sails. I want to give you power to do what I'm telling you. I want to give you direction, where to go, what to do. And I'm going to give you the power to do it. You just yield, right? Those sails go up and they yield to the wind. The wind is the power. The wind gives everything else. God says, I want to do that in your life. You got to be yielded to me. In today's message, Pastor Bill will share with you about the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you confess your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, The Holy Spirit is given as a gift and a helper. The Bible describes the Holy Spirit as filling us up, like wind in the sails of a ship. When the sails are filled, they empower the boat to do what it can't do on its own. The wind filling the sails pushes the boat towards its final destination. The Holy Spirit can fill us and help us reach out to those around us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 24 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. As we finished off last week, we were looking at all the different feasts and they were being instructed how to celebrate the feast, why to celebrate the feast. And we covered all those things. Um, There's more kind of some specific instructions that are given. So chapter 24, I'm going to read verses one through four all together. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the tap of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord continually. And so this first section here, instruction is being given about uh, dealing with stuff inside the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a place where they gathered to meet with the Lord and there was only one source of light in the tabernacle. So you had the lampstands that were on the pure gold lampstands. I want you to notice, I noticed it as I read through it a few times, you keep seeing the word pure, pure. Pure gold, pure oil, pure lampstands. Later on, verses six and seven, pure gold table, pure frankincense. And I just never want to skip over whenever God is saying something repeatedly. God doesn't want anything mixed up. He wants it to be pure. He wants it to be the oil. It's going to be pure oil. The gold is going to be pure gold. It's not going to be mixed. It's not going to be contaminated with anything else. It's going to be pure. And so the first thing in um, verses one and two As he spoke this to Moses, he was to command the children of Israel that they were to bring the oil. Um, The oil was to be, it was to be from olives. It has to be pressed. It's got to be pure oil. And the children of Israel, it was their job to bring this in. And so they would grow these trees. They would harvest these, these olives. They would press the olive oil. They would be the ones to bring it. And I just want to point out, it seems that throughout the the, the lessons to them, God was giving them always their part. You guys participate in worship in this way. You bring this to the tabernacle. Uh, in the tabernacle, only the priests lived there and stayed there, and there was no other source of light. So it wasn't like you could take a day off. Uh, the lighting in the tabernacle wasn't something that they could say, hey, you know, I'm tired this weekend. 
I just want to kick back. The people had to continually bring it. They had to continually, uh, you know, put it there, trim the wicks and everything else to keep the light going in uh, inside the tabernacle. And this is a, a picture for us. Um, I know as we come to the, the New Testament, we know that Jesus is the light of the world. Um, it's kind of cool. I, I know uh, I used to have a menorah, um, but it, it stayed at my old church we were at when I left. But when we do communion, we will put the menorah up. And the menorah was um, it's symbolic of this 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 instrument that was inside the tabernacle that lit everything up. And um, the oil was continually flowing through it and it had to stay lit all the time. And it was a picture for us in the future. It was a be a picture of us. What is oil? First of all, symbolic of in the word. The Holy Spirit for the believer. So oil is a it's a picture. Um, it's a picture for you and me of, of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's to be a continual work. Um, the Bible and the Bible tells us to be filled with the spirit. The, the if you look at the word, if you look it up in the Greek, it's be being continually filled with the spirit. It's not something that um, we, we, you know, in our in, in church culture, you have some groups that, you know, it's, it's a it's a momentary thing, you know. Um, someone was filled and they, you know, I went to a church at one point where at random times throughout the service, people would catch the Holy Ghost. They would catch the spirit and then they would be jumping up and down and shaking and falling and whatnot. The work of the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, it's an ongoing, it's a consistent work. It's not some random momentary, you know, fanatical kind of work, but it's a continual work. And one thing that we know, if we're walking in the spirit, just as Jesus was the light of the world, God wants you and I to be lights. And what do I need to be a light in this world? What do I need to be happening in my life that I could be a light to other people? That I live in a dark world, how does my light shine? In what way can my light be shining in a dark place? I need to be someone that's filled with the Spirit of God in a continual way. It can't be something that's on one day and off the next. I can't say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit at church. And then when I go home with my neighbors, I'm not filled with the spirit. Some people's Christian life is just like that. They behave a certain way at church because they know how they're supposed to behave at church. God bless you. Praise the Lord. So forth and so on. They got a whole nother way they behave with people out in the world. They're like, it's like they turn their light off when they get out there. No light, no witness, no example. They got attitude just like everybody else. God says, I want your light to be continually shining. I don't want it to go out. Um, keep this in mind because we're looking at the tabernacle and the light that's inside the tabernacle. The, in the New Testament, the Bible says, because in the tabernacle was the, the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant, then there was the Holy of Holies behind the veil, and that was where the presence of God dwelt. In the New Testament, God says, me and you are the temple of the living God. He dwells in me and he dwells in you. And just like the oil would light up the tabernacle here in a continual way as the oil was brought in the pure pressed oil, God says, you, I live in you. And I want, I want my light to continually shine in you as you yield to me and as you're filled, as you walk in the fullness of my spirit uh, in a continual way. How do we do that? How do I walk in the spirit? In a, in a, how do I walk in the fullness of the spirit in a continual way? It's a continual yielding. To the spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And he's there saying, don't do that. Get up and read this. Pray for her. Do, he's there leading us. He's there convicting us. He's there constantly, you know, on our behalf. He's there. People can quench him. They can grieve him. They can resist him. But he's there undeniably. And so some people can resist, quench and resist the Holy Spirit to the point where they're, they're numb. Uh, they feel I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't experience any of those things. Um, 
And some of us, maybe as we yield and are, are consistent and just yielding and listening, you, you have a greater experience. He's alive inside every believer and he does his job. And so it's our yielding continually. That's what it is to walk in the fullness. Um, in Ephesians, when Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, he said, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word there for filled, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's a nautical, it's a boating term. It's the same, it's the idea of, of wind that fills the sail of a sailboat. And the wind that fills the sail of a sailboat, it gives it power and it gives it direction. And God says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the idea. I want to fill your sails. I want to give you power to do what I'm telling you. I want to give you direction, where to go, what to do, and I'm going to give you the power to do it. You just yield, right? Those sails go up and they yield to the wind. The wind is the power. The wind gives everything else. God says, I want to do that in your life. You got to be yielded to me. And so a couple things. Um, first, if you're writing notes, you can write down John chapter 8. Verse 12, um, we know that Jesus was the light of the world. He's our example. And if I look at the time that Jesus spent on earth, that's what he came to do. He was the light of the world. Um, he didn't take a day off. Uh, he didn't have any time. He was, that's what he was when he was down here. And before he left, the way he instructed the disciples, and this, this goes for me and you as well, it's in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 14. And this is for us. This is our instruction. Matthew 5, 14 he said, you are the light of the world. He didn't say you're going to be. Um, I want you to try really hard. He said, that's what it is. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And so God says here, I, I want you to. One, he says, you are the light of the world. That's what you are. I, you belong to me. I live in you. You are the light of the world. And so I would just ask us to consider this as we look at these things in Leviticus. Uh, we're not living back here. We're not in a tabernacle. You're the place where God lives. You're the one that needs the oil to be continually flowing through your life. You're the one that needs your light to be continually shining. So what's your light like? And it's a healthy thing to consider as a believer. Um, I routinely, for my own benefit, I'll check in with my wife. I check in with my kids. Um, you know, I, I, those are the people that they see me at. They see me at, every, at, I guess, at my best and my worst. And if I'm messed up, they're going to be the ones that know it. They're going to be the ones to be able to tell me um, where I'm at. But how is your light? How, how's your light to the world? You live in a dark world. What's it like? What's your, what's your influence at work? What's your influence in your community? Do you light up any dark places? Is your witness strong? Um, what's it like? Do you get into a dark atmosphere and just blend in with the darkness? Turn your light down so you don't disturb nobody. That's what some people do. They see how dark a situation is. If I go in there with my light turned up, they're gonna, everybody's going to be looking at me. So let me dim my light way down. I'm not going to say nothing. Not gonna, not, I don't want to stir up things. That's not, that's not what God said. Be a light. Go into that dark place and just let your light shine. See what I do. See, see what difference I make uh, with, with your light turn all the way up. And it doesn't mean that you walk into an atmosphere and, and be rude or obnoxious or weird. But it just means that, God, I'm, I'm, I'm continually yielding you. And, and it is, in any particular situation, I'm saying, God, however you might want to use me here. I'm uncomfortable. I'm out of my element. It's really dark. But however you want to use me in the midst of all this, I'm available to you. Uh, I want my light to be shining. And so... Um, it, it is require you and I to be in a place where the spirit of God is continually filling us. 
Um, I, I need God's continue. I need him. I need him flowing through my life in a continual way. You see that word continually uh, several times. It, it can't be something that's compartmentalized or momentary. And that's what we have to work on. And I think a lot of times what I see in my own life, in my own struggles with other believers is we can learn how to turn it on at certain places and then turn it off. And God said, don't turn it on and leave it on. I want it to be on all the time. It's, it's less significant that my light shines here with you guys. It's less significant than when I go out there that my light is more important. Now, my light should be on here, too. We should burn together. We should come together and our light should just we should just feed off each other and edify and build up. But it's more critical when I go out there with my neighbors, with other people. And so um, over the years, I've learned things. I've, I've made certain rules uh, in my own life. Um, I'm a human being like everybody else. And um, you guys now where we move to now, we haven't had no we haven't had any bad neighbor situation. But where I used to live, uh, we asked we had we had some challenges with the neighbors, uh, just constant parties. And, you know, for me, Saturday night, I try to get a good night's sleep so I can be ready for Sunday morning. And it seemed like it always be a Saturday night. I hear the I hear the I hear the DJ out there. I see the cars coming. I'm like, ah, oh, right in my window. And I remember one night in particular, these people were, their house was right up against my house. So the side of their house was on me and my wife's window. And there were literally people throwing up uh, at my window from, you know, from drinking. Everything in me was like, I, I'm going to go say something. But I don't know how to go say nothing, right? You know, but I was like, that's it, you know. And then they woke up the kids one time and so I, that's it. I, they woke up my kids. Now I got to go do something. And every time it was like, I need to go, I need to go. And I, I would get to my door. I've been at my door. And God was like, don't you go say nothing. Your job for them is, is to share. You, you, you're there for whatever time you're going to be there. Your job is to be a light. This would just get in the way. I know you're inconvenienced. I know you don't like it. I know you, you, you ruined your little sleep. Get up and pray then. But I, I mean, I never, the Holy Spirit never signed off on me going over there. I felt like I could. I felt like I should. I felt. But as I would get at my door, the Holy Spirit was like, mm -mm, no, mm -mm, not going to be good. And, and I didn't. God's grace, with his help, I didn't. I didn't go over there. And, and I don't know what I would have said. I don't know. So this is a problem for me. See, if I would have went and said something, they said something back wrong, now I'm in trouble. Now I don't know how I'm acting. And now the Holy Spirit just leaked all the way out of me and I'd be over there messing up. So, you know, sometimes we have to count the cost. Like, what's my job in this? God bless you to live somewhere. What's your purpose there? Hopefully you recognize your purpose is to be a light to them. My purpose here is not to, you know, have neighbors respect me and treat me the best. It's I, I'm supposed to be a light to them. We gonna all die one day. That neighbor going to be dead one day. I'm going to be dead one day. We all going to be before God one day. It's, it's an opportunity to have your light on. So but we could lose sight of that. Some of you work with people and you work with some special people. Anybody here work with special people? And I don't mean, you know, mentally, I mean just special. There's people out there that are special. And God put them around you for, for his purpose. And they're special. And God knows it. He knows they're special. He put you there. Everybody else can't stand them because they're special. But God said, I put you there. And you got my Holy Spirit. Can you be a light to that special person? Can you shine through? Because it, 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 you loving them while everybody else can't stand them, would let, your light would be so, it would be, wow. They would be like, wow, something's so different about you because everybody else can't stand me. But you are always nice to me. It would, just, it would just make it, it's almost easier for the light to shine when it's dark. But we have to be mindful of that. God, I, I'm, I'm a light. God said, you are 
the light of the world. And light is very impactful. You know, a little bit of light in the dark, it, it shows. Uh, last night, um, we, we, we got a little, it's a little, uh, little cable box. We just put that in and it's in the room. And it's just white light and it's a clock. And it's way across the room that way. And my wife wake me up in the middle of the night and said, babe, can you go put something over that light? Why? This is not bothering me, you know, but I guess I'm laying the other way. But that little bit of light was just it was it was it was not letting the room be blacked out enough for her. And I'm like, so I, you know, I let the Holy Spirit spill it all out of me. And I said some things. No, I didn't. I got up and I, I, I blacked it out. But, you know, the, just a little bit of light in a dark place. It shows it shines. Don't have to be big. I uh, just need a little bit of light. And so I'm encouraging all of us just that we be mindful of that. God, let me let me be more aware I, and that's why when we get up. I get up in the day and it's God filled with your spirit today. I need it. I want to be full of you. Uh, empty me of myself. Help me die to myself today that you might fill my life and that your light might be shining through me. So back to Leviticus four and five. Again, it says he shall be in charge of the lamps of the pure uh, on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord continually. Um, it was to be something that was constantly being taken care of. And I just want to point that out. The, the word continually. It's, a, it's an ongoing work. So the filling of the Holy Spirit is not something that happens one day. Oh, yeah. Back in 1985, I went forward at church. They laid hands. I received. The, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. No, it's an ongoing work because because you be leaking. Um, guys, you, you, you ask the Lord, God daily, fill me today. Fill me anew. Fill me afresh. I need to be full of you constantly. It's a it's a it's an ongoing prayer. And it's really not something you can pray for. If you're not, you got to participate. And I was just talking to somebody about this this week. When you say, God, fill me with your spirit, you're also in that prayer. You're also saying, because I'm going to yield, Lord. I'm going to yield. If if I took a cup and it was an empty cup and I said, Tony, would you fill this cup? And Tony came up with a picture to fill the cup, but I kept moving. Well, he can't fill the cup. So my asking him to fill it is irrelevant because I keep moving. He says, I'm moving you know, it doesn't work that way. I can say, God, fill me with your spirit. And God starts speaking to me, leading me, guiding me, but I won't yield. So I'm not full, even though I prayed for it. When you say, God, fill me with your spirit, when you pray that, it's in the prayer you're also submitting yourself. You're saying, God, because as you lead, I'm going to follow. As you guide me, I'm going to go. As you convict me, I'm going to stop. I'm going to yield to the process of being filled with your spirit. It's something I ask God to do, but I'm an active participant in that process of being filled with the spirit. And it needs to be a continual thing. The next thing here, we're going to look at the, 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 the bread in the tabernacle. I look at verses five through nine with me. It says, and you shall take fine flour and bake 12 cakes with it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in a row on the pure gold table before the Lord. And you shall put pure frankincense on each row that it may be on the bread for a memorial and offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath, he shall set it in order before the Lord continually being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons and they shall eat it in the holy place, for it is most holy to him from the offering of the Lord made by fire by a perpetual statute. So now we have the bread of the tabernacle. What is it symbolic of? What's significant about that? In a very practical way, the bread in the tabernacle, the, the things to make the bread were brought by the people, just like the oil. 
The oil, the people, the children of Israel brought the oil. They had to harvest it, bring it as an offering to the Lord, and it, it, it lit up the, the temple or the tabernacle in a, in a continual way. The bread here is also, the, the things to make the bread are brought by the people. And uh, they're to make the bread. God's giving them specific instructions. I want you to make it two rows, six in a row, set it on the pure gold table. I want pure frankincense um, in each row. And it's going to be made by fire. It's going to be an offering to the Lord. But it says that Aaron and his sons are also supposed to eat from it. So we're reminded that the Levites, they didn't have um, the way that they were taken care of was as the people brought their offerings to the Lord, there was a portion that was allotted to them. The, the servants of the Lord were to live off of and be taken care of by, by God's people. And so you had times in, in Israel's history where people wouldn't give. They wouldn't bring the tithe. They wouldn't give. And so then the priests weren't taken care of. Neither was worship was interrupted. The things that were needed for all these things to transpire weren't done because the people were being disobedient. And so here they're, they're told what to bring. And Aaron and his sons are told what to do with it. And it's for them to eat. Uh, it was to be fresh. It was to be done regularly. It wasn't to be, there couldn't be some old stale bread from last week out. They were to do this process continually over and over again. It was to be fresh. What's this symbolic of for, for you and I? The bread of the tabernacle speaks of fellowship and communion with God. Um, in Exodus 25, 30, it's called the, the showbread. And that word showbread means bread of the face. And the idea is that it's eaten in the presence of the Lord or in the face of God. So it's a it's something that you eat. It's a, it's a as they would eat it. It's like they were eating it with God. It was it was a it was a fellowship. It was something they were eating with the Lord. And so here as the bread is brought, it's, it's a it's a picture. It's not it, it gives us the picture. It gives us the, the idea of communion, of fellowship with the Lord. We talked about this earlier that God doesn't want our communion to him, our fellowship with him to be stale. He wants it to be fresh. He wants it to be something that's done on a continual basis. And so we don't obviously bake bread and that's not how we fellowship with the Lord. Um, now we, we, we get into the word. That's where we go. We eat from the word of God. We spend time in the word. That's one way that we spend time in his face or in his presence. And so I would ask us to consider that aspect of our walk. We talked about the, the fullness of the spirit and whether our light is shining or not. What's your intimacy with the Lord like? What's your fellowship with God like? What's your time in God's presence like? Because our intimacy or our lack of intimacy with the Lord, it, it will it will show in our lives. If we're someone that walks in great intimacy with God, it's going to show. Um, your closeness with him will, will, will show forth. There'll be fruit in your life that demonstrates this person's been with Jesus. If you guys remember in, in the book of Acts, they looked at Peter and John and they said, man, these are uneducated men, just fishermen, these, these guys. But they say, you know, we, we recognize about them. They have been with Jesus. It showed. It just showed. It wasn't something they didn't, they didn't go around wearing, you know, Jesus T-shirts and banners and stuff like that. They just saw them and they said, man, we can tell by how you speak, by what you do, how you behave. You've been hanging out with Jesus. Do we see him in you? And this was spoken by people that didn't even like Jesus. So it wasn't a compliment when they said we could tell that y'all have been with Jesus. They weren't saying that in a complimentary way. As Christians, we would wear that in a very complimentary way. Someone said, man, I can tell you've been with Jesus. All right. Oh, amen. You know, we would wear that in a very, you know, we'd be, we'd be glad that someone else could see that. That's not how they meant it when they said that to them. But it showed. 
that they had been with Jesus. They had been sitting at his feet. They had been in the studies. They had been listening to the word. And so they had been with Jesus and it showed. So something I would challenge us to consider in our day-to-day life. What is your time with the Lord? How much time do you make for the Lord every day? And I say it that way because that's how it has to go. You have to make time. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Leviticus is full of relevant content that can still be applied to us today. Yes, even the Old Testament book that seems to just be full of rules and regulations. It's full of the grace of God. No matter how many times the Israelites seem to misunderstand or misjudge God, He still forgave them. He still gave them chance after chance and gave them what they needed. How many times in your life can you see that God has done the same for you? He gives grace even when we make mistakes. He gives grace even when we don't deserve it. He gives us chance after chance after chance. There is no one else like Him. If you're struggling with your own mistakes and are having a hard time accepting the grace of God, we'd love to connect and pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online too. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website was CalvaryInglewood.org. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Leviticus, and you won't want to miss it. Learn more next time right here on A Transforming Word.